shows on KCNR are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of KCNR Radio. Good morning, everyone. This, this is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell here on KCNR 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. This is Dr. Patty, and we are going to talk about a therapeutic issue that I have seen forever. Uh, everybody sees it every day, I think. We find it in ourselves. We see it in other people. And I want to break it down today so that you can actually get a handle on it. And this is the concept of patience. It's it's really interesting because um, I've never really considered myself a patient person. I've worked hard on it over the years. In fact, I have a little sign that says, God, give me patience and give it to me right now. Because I'm not particularly always good at it. But uh, it's, a, it's a behavior that you can practice if you know how to do it. So I want you to think about patience for a minute. People yell it at each other. Be patient. We tell it to our kids. Would you sit down and be patient? Uh, we throw it around like everybody knows what it means. Uh, I think in many people's head, being patient means shut up, be quiet, and stop it. And And it's not always how it works. So what I want to do is show you what I teach my clients in my private practice, and I've, I've done this for years, where I break down what is patience, what are the elements of it, and if you don't have very much patience as a characteristic in your life, how do you begin to develop that? And then, in one section of the show, I want to teach you how do you teach it to your children? How do you help them become patient people and just exemplify that characteristic. So when we look at what patience is, it's actually the ability to wait. Think about that for a minute. We as human beings like things to be fast, especially in this day and age. We like our reinforcement, our reward to be quick. We're not really good at waiting for delayed gratification. And we like things to happen right now. We like people to pick up the phone immediately. When we search a website on our computer, we like it to pop up right away. Uh, if we call the city utilities and want to check on something, we don't want to be told there's going to be a long wait time. Uh, we don't like that. We want it now. And that is something that has evolved over time from society. Let's look back many, many years ago. If you wrote a letter to a friend across the country, you snail mail, you wrote a letter, hand wrote it out, you packed it up, put a stamp on it, and you snail mailed it across the country, and you really didn't know if they got it because people didn't make long-distance calls back then because they were very expensive, and then you waited for the person to hand write a letter back and mail it back to you. That could take months, weeks. It was not instantaneous. In today's day and age, you text the person or you email them and, and you find out if they see it. You can even look to see if they've read the email and then they can answer you right away. 
that develops a society where we don't know how to wait for delayed gratification. So think about the last time you barked at your kids to be patient or to sit down and wait or to stop pestering you for something right now. We want everyone around us to be patient, but we're not particularly willing to practice patience ourselves. So just look at those concepts for a minute because it's, it's what we're talking about. So when you're going to practice patience, you want to increase your ability to wait for delayed gratification. You also want to help yourself stop doing things that are wasting your time or or you can consider unimportant because it's very difficult to be patient when you're doing things that are unimportant. Patience is also about knowing when to be quiet. And we're going to work on that one specifically today. So this overall concept of patience breaks down into some very basic behaviors. One of the first pieces of behavior is knowing when an issue is your issue and when it's not your issue, when it's someone else's. So an event is going down or something is happening or someone's talking or trying to figure something out. And if you are feeling impatient with that, like you want it fixed, you want it now, you want them to stop being an idiot, uh, you want them to be quiet or you want them to finally answer you, you need to stop and say, is this my issue that I need to fix or is it their issue that they're dealing with and they need to fix? And, and that's specifically related to a lot of people get extremely impatient uh, you know the old saying, I don't suffer fools. A lot of people who are very bright, they run down rabbit trails and see all the possible alternatives to all the different things that could fix something or change something or do something. And they very quickly have picked out what is most likely the correct trail to manage and everything will be fixed. They don't have a whole lot of patience for people who are kind of bumbling around looking for the answer. So the first piece that I really want you to look at is, is this mine to fix? Is it mine to talk about, to deal with, to speak up about? And if it's not, you need to know that. And one of the first things you can say is, this is not mine. And so a, a fun little thing to do is to picture that we all have monkeys on our back that we feed in water. And you're responsible for your monkeys, and other people are responsible for theirs. So you don't need to jump in and start feeding and watering their monkeys. So when they're struggling or they're trying to find an answer or they're uh, trying to fix something, you ask yourself, is this my monkey or is it theirs? And if it's not your monkey, stop. Just stop. Practice silence. Let go. Back up. Sit down. Wait. Weight is a very important component of patience. So is it yours or is it not? It's one of the first things to look at. The next thing that you want to look at is trust. Do I trust others in this situation? Do I trust that the person I'm waiting on is going to make a good decision? Do I trust the situation that's happening? Am I thinking that you know what you're doing or you're not? And many people who are 
impatient often think that they can do it better than someone else. And sometimes they can't. I mean, if you are super smart or you're talented or you've got a lot of different skills, you might be able to do it better than someone else. So let's look at the idea that you are working with your child learning how to fix a car. And you've been fixing cars forever. So you're tinkering around, doing some stuff on it. And you have to stand back and let your child try to do what you showed him or her how to do. And wait. And not jump in there. And not grab the tool out of their hand. And not say, no, 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 you're messing it up. You've got to stand back and wait and let them make a mistake or let them try it out or let them fiddle around trying to get the wrench on that bolt. And you have to wait. And you have to recognize that you don't particularly trust what they're doing or not doing, but you're there supervising and teaching. The best teachers are patient. They stand back and they let people make mistakes. They let people do what they need to do. And they guide and direct, but they practice patience and they know when to be silent. So we've got some more elements of patience. And I'm going to teach this to you so that you have a concrete way to look at this. And you can begin to create more patience in your life. And you can begin to learn how to teach it to your kids. So we'll be back in a minute. I'm going to teach you some more elements of patience. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. You're listening to the incredibly beautiful Native American flute music of Randy McGinnis. He is a Native American flute player, award-winning, awards all over the place and played all over the world. Um, he has six CDs, and they're just amazing. You can go to randymcginnis.com and check out his music. And we deeply appreciate him allowing us to use his music on this show, especially since it's so calming and it helps give us all patience, right? <laughs> so this is Dr. Patty, and we are talking about patience. So... The first two elements of patience that I was trying to get you to understand were, is it yours or is it not yours? Is it your issue? Is it your responsibility? Is it yours to fix? Is it yours to jump in and get your hands all up in that? If it's not yours, then you need to stop and say, this isn't my monkey. This is his. This is hers. I need to be patient. And that's the first clue that you need to stop and you need to wait. The patience involved with not jumping in and fixing it for them or grabbing the tool out of their hand or saying, just do it like this, and being so impatient is the first awareness that it's not yours to mess with. Okay, so then the next piece of patience is, do I trust what is happening? If you trust the process, the teaching process that you're doing, or you trust the person that you're trying to be patient with, that you're trying to practice some hesitancy and waiting, do you trust their intellect? Do you trust their abilities? Um, can you allow them the time they need to figure out what they're doing? So if you ask yourself, do I trust this person? And the answer is, well, yeah then that's your another call to consciousness to stand back and wait. Because not everybody does things like we would do it. 
Sometimes you would be more efficient or you would see more angles with something or you'll have done it 20 times before so you're better at it. But you have to allow people to experience and to do and to learn. So let's give another example. Let's say you're teaching your teenager to cook and you're teaching that child to make a cake. And they're learning how to scrape the side of the bowl and they're learning how to add the eggs and all of that. So you're instructing and you're trying to help them learn. But then you have to stand back and let them do it. Picture that if you go up there and grab a spatula out of their hand and and scrape the bowl yourself because they're not doing it right, that's not being patient. That's being impatient. And it's also rude. And you're also not allowing that person to experience what they need to experience to learn. So if you're that type of person who gets impatient with how people do things, it's important for you to look at do you trust the process? Do you trust that they're learning? Do you trust that person to be intelligent and okay? So say it's your two-year-old. And do you trust that two-year-old to walk on the fence? He's walking on a block wall, um, and you're trusting whether he has balance or not. If you don't trust that he's got the balance or not yet, you offer him a hand, and you help him learn how to achieve balance on the block wall. If you do trust that your two-year-old can do that, then you stand nearby, right? Now, when that two-year-old's 15 and walking on a block wall, you don't even flinch because you've watched them develop that. But so often we jump in and show people that we don't trust their ability or their thought process or that they will come to an outcome that we approve of. All right. So the next thing that you want to check out when you're learning how to be patient is you want to know how to access your me filter. And if you've listened to my podcast, you hear me talk about the me filter sometimes. The me filter is how does this situation affect me? How do I feel about it? What buttons of mine does it push? What thoughts does it arise in me that I need to fix or do or stop or or help? When you are aware of your me filter, you are more developed. The more you are aware of yourself and your issues, the more developed you are. So if you've got a little tiny me filter in a situation where you're like, "Eh, whatever, I can wait. It's all right. Let her learn. I back off and I can be quiet. You're recognizing that you don't have a big mistrust going on and you are encouraging yourself to practice waiting. So when you are fearful or you don't trust the person, or it's really pushing your buttons, your me filter might be really, really big. When your me filter is huge, it's really hard to see around it and see what the other people are saying or doing or what they need. Picture that this is like, oh, say it's like a, a big mirror that you're holding out in front of you. If it's a little tiny mirror, like a little handheld mirror that you put in your purse, Your me filter that you're looking back at yourself when you look in the mirror is really small. Let's say it's a big, huge mirror. It's like four feet by 12 feet, and you're holding it, and all you can see is yourself when you look in the mirror. You can't see around it. Your me filter is blocking out the needs 
and what's going on from everybody else. So when you're trying to be patient or you are trying to expand your ability to be patient, you want to, at regular intervals, stop and say, what's happening with my me filter right now? How is this affecting me or pushing my buttons or what's it making me think of or is it making me fearful? And you need to know the answers to that. Like I say to people in my practice all the time, when you ask yourself a question like that, answer yourself. A lot of people never answer themselves. They'll say, how does this affect me? And then they don't stop and answer. So those three elements are really basis, basic elements for increasing your patience and learning how to practice patience. First off, is it yours or not? Is it your monkey? Is it someone else's monkey? Next, do I trust this situation? Do I trust this person? Is this a life or death situation? Or is this a, a situation where physical or emotional harm could come to somebody if I don't step in and intervene right now? And then you need to stop and say, how does this situation make me feel? How does it affect me? What would happen if I just waited and let this play out? Am I willing to do that? And so knowing how it affects you gives you a real leg up in understanding why you can or cannot wait. All right, so what does patience look like? Patience looks like the ability to shut up, okay? Stop talking, wait, practice silence. And this is really important because when we tell someone, just be patient, Often what we're saying to them is stop talking, wait. And that becomes an element that we end up wanting to teach. So in, in the next segment, when we talk about how to teach patience to somebody, you want to know what it is you're trying to teach. But for, for this segment, we're talking about what do you do, not what you're teaching your kids, not what you want your spouse to do with you or your coworkers or whatever. This is about you developing patience. So, how is your ability to be quiet, to practice silence, and to wait? It's not always easy, is it? So we want to stop doing, we want to hold still, we want to breathe, and we want to practice silence. Now, some of you, while I'm even talking about that, are getting really restless because <laughs> I, I know a lot of people that are extremely impatient and they're like, can we just get this over with? Patty, can you just skip to the end of the show and tell me exactly what to do so that I don't have to listen to the whole thing because I don't have patience to listen to this whole thing? You're restless. It's very typical for people that have trouble with patience to want things to be over, to be done, to skip to the end, to not read everything, to fudge it so that you can get it over with quickly. So as you're learning to practice patience, you're learning to wait. You're learning to practice silence. You're learning to let go of restlessness and the frivolous noise that comes with restlessness the agitated movements, the get it over with, I don't want to sit here and wait for this, that restlessness. Those are the things that are involved when someone is not patient. So to be patient, 
what we want is the opposite of some of those difficult behaviors. So what is the opposite of restlessness? When you're agitated, you want to fix it, you want to grab the tool out of the kid's hand or you want to scrape the cake bowl by yourself so that because you can't wait, they're doing it wrong. Or you want to turn the page to the right one or you want to grab the pen out of their hand. That restlessness is partly a lack of trust and partly an inability for something to be finished and over with. There is an idea that life is about a journey, not a destination. When we are impatient, we want the bullet train. We don't want the scenic route. We don't want to go slow. We don't want to enjoy the journey. We want the bullet train where we put our head down and we are there instantaneously because the journey for an impatient person needs to be as fast as possible so they can get on to the next thing. So one concept I want you to sit with, and we're going to deal more with when we come back from the break, is do you ever enjoy the journey? Are you constantly impatient trying to get to the destination and get it done with and be over and get on to the next thing? So you're really evaluating how patient a person are you. All right, we're going to go to break, and we'll be back in a minute, and we'll learn some more about patience. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty, and we are talking about patience. Do you know what it is? Do you have it? Do you practice it? And do you know what the elements are? So as we're talking about developing patience, and you're recognizing the components of it, we've been talking about that, let's take a minute to talk about impatience. All right? Impatience is not just a lack of patience. It's an attitude of impatience. Um, One of the things that I think is characteristic of impatience is when you're easily frustrated. You, little things bug you. The dog won't do what you want, or um, you can't reach the towel when you're getting out of the shower, or you're brushing your teeth and the glob of toothpaste falls on the front of your shirt. I hate that when that happens. (laughs) But you're impatient. Uh, let me give, I'm a short person, so let me give you a really cool one that could happen when you're impatient. You're trying to reach something and you can't because you're short. And there's no tall person around for you to go, tall person, help me. So you have to go out in the garage and you have to get the step stool and you have to bring it in and you have to set it up and you have to try and reach. And what if the step stool's not tall enough? Ugh. you got to go outside and you got to get the ladder and you got to haul it in and you, Are you patient with that? Or do you get frustrated? Do you find yourself getting agitated? Are you cussing and swearing under your breath? Um, Impatience is when small things that don't work tend to make you extremely frustrated and you start to agitate. So impatience is not exactly the difference or the opposite of patience. It's a behavior in and of itself. But let's take those same kind of examples and what if we weren't an impatient person but we practice patience so 
at me as the short person who can't reach something. And I say, okay, got to go get the step stool. And I go get the step stool and I come in and I go, well, this isn't going to work. All right. So I go out to get the ladder. I'm trying to keep my attitude level. I'm trying not to wind myself all up. I'm not cussing and swearing at the situation. I'm just doing what I have to do. It doesn't mean that I'm happy that I have to go do all that stuff. But I'm also not agitating myself with impatience. So am I practicing patience with an annoying situation? Yes. Am I actively trying not to and to agitate and to mobilize the behaviors of impatience, yes. So if you are easily frustrated and then your behavior makes you seem impatient, and that's part of what you're dealing with with this whole scenario, then really stop to look at that frustration level. And does it help you to get frustrated? Or do you just need to keep persevering until you figure it out? People often tell me that I never say die. And it's true. I I hardly ever give up. Um, I'll give you a really cool example of patience and of letting go of impatience and also trying to teach it to my granddaughter, Allie. We were in the dog park and we were with my husband, Rich, and our dog, and, and Rich was already getting ill with his brain disease, frontal temporal degeneration. So any patients that he had had formerly was really out the window. He had zero. So I, Allie and I were throwing the dog toy. It was a ball with a braided thing on the end of it. We were throwing it, and I accidentally heaved it, and it went straight up in the tree, and it was way up there. And I was going, hey, we just bought that thing, and it was $14. So I'm going, oh, no, it's stuck up in the tree. And so Rich goes, come on, let's just go. And I said, no, no, the toy's up in the tree. We have to get it out. And he goes, you can't reach that, and I'm not climbing up the tree. I can't get up there either. And I said, no, I can get it down. He goes, no, you can't. Come on, let's go. And I said, nope, I'm getting the toy out of the tree. So I rounded up a few tennis balls from the dog park, and Allie and I had this plan going where we, I threw the tennis balls up to the toy in the tree and Allie stood way over so that when I missed the toy in the tree, she would get the tennis ball and then bring it back over to me. So she's like six years old. So she's the runner for the tennis balls. And it took me about 15 or 20 minutes to finally hit that toy up in the tree with the tennis ball enough times to make it fall out of the tree. And I was intent on doing it and I was very patient while I did it. And I remember Rich standing there going, wow, you never say die, do you? And I said, nope, I don't say die. Some of that is because I don't give up, and some of it is because I get really focused on my goal, and I practice patience, and I let that be the motivator and not the frustration. And it's it, Rich is not normally that impatient, but his brain disease made it so. So it's a good example of somebody who doesn't have tolerance for frustrating things. And when you can mobilize that tolerance and set your goal and move in the direction that you want to, you can get done what you need to do. But what's really cool is that modeled that for Allie. In fact, we we have this motto, we go, never say die, and she pumps her fist up in the air. I love that. So that was teaching her, keep going, don't give up, don't get frustrated. 
And it's a really good memory between the two of us. All we have to do is say, remember the toy up in the tree. We can do it. And it's fun. So impatience is a component for you to understand in order for you to begin to mobilize patience in your life. Another component of impatience is blame. When you are frustrated and agitated and cussing and swearing, you are blaming something else, whether it's the towel hanging across the room or the glob of toothpaste on your shirt or the dog that won't do what you say, what you want. The blame that you feel means that it's not your monkey, it's their monkey, and they're doing it to you on purpose. And that blame creates agitation and frustration. So when we want to develop patience, we need to develop the freedom to not have to be right. I want you to hang on to that for a minute. In fact, grab a pencil and write that down. The freedom to not have to be right is huge. So when you can let go that it might be somebody else's monkey, it might be their problem, you don't have to fix it, you don't have to have the answer, you don't have to be right, you can stand back and you can wait. You can practice silence. You can purposely calm yourself and not agitate and not frustrate and not cuss and swear and not know how you can fix that right now. You have created a whole lot more space for yourself when you give yourself the freedom to not have to be right. It is a huge component in patience. And I like that. I've shared on past shows before that uh, one of the ways I started working on my patience, probably 20 or 25 years ago, because I'm much more patient than I used to be when I was younger, is one day I was doing something. I can't remember what it was, but I was getting really agitated. And I finally just kind of yelled at myself. And I said, all right, Betty, who died and made you God? And I went, oh, oh, whoa. In my impatience. I was certain I had the answer, I could do it better, I was right, I was agitated, I was frustrated, um, and I was acting like I was God. I had the answers. I was omnipotent. When I pulled myself up short and said that to myself, I remember just kind of like sitting down and going, oh, oh, that's not good. And that kind of became my motto. And silently in my head, when I would start to agitate and I was certain I could do it better and I was getting impatient, I'd go, Patty, you're not God. Let that person find their way, find their path. Be quiet. Practice silence. And I found myself much less agitated, much more willing to just stand and wait, let it take the time it was going to take, and practice that patience. And let go of those behaviors of impatience. So impatience is about we see the outcome or the different path. Or we want to point out what we know or what we've heard. That little thing where you're trying to be the know-it-all or the omnipotent one who has all the answers. Shut up. Just shut up. Stand still. 
practice silence and wait. Sometimes a way that I practice silence, and every time I do it, it makes me feel good. You know when you're leaving the grocery store and you just kind of want to get out of there and you've got this full basket and somebody comes up behind you and they have four or five things in their hands and and you're going, ah, God, if I were behind this big basket, I would want to go first. But I need to get out of here and I'm feeling impatient. I really like to challenge myself. And what I do is I look at that person and I say, would you like to go in front of me because you only have a few things? And sometimes they say, no, I have plenty of time. But often they say, oh, thank you so much. I just need to run in for a couple of things and i got to get out of here. And I say, no problem. And I am mobilizing my ability to practice patience. Now, I'm also trying to do a good deed, pay it forward, uh, be gracious, do a random act of kindness. And I like those things, too. They make me feel good in my heart. But for me, it's more about patience. Be patient. Practice patience. Give patience. Stand here and say nothing and do nothing. So in this section, what we're doing is we're looking at the elements of patience. We're weighing them against the behaviors of impatience. And we're really breaking it down so that it isn't just about be patient. It's about practice silence. Is it your monkey? Do you trust what is happening? Do you have to agitate and blame somebody else and cuss and swear and and grab it and do it right or get frustrated and throw it down or break it or toss it across the room. I want to know how many of you have lost a cell phone because you slammed it on the floor. Okay. Impatience. Lack of patience. Frustration. Agitation. Wanting things to be different. Wanting the outcome to be different than what it is. All right. We're going to go to break and when we come back, I'm going to help give you the skills for you to teach this to your children, maybe your spouse, other people. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. That was a lesson in patience. This particular song of Randy McGinnis's has a very quiet opening. And so you have to wait, wait for it, wait for it. And then the drum starts beating and you go, ah, there it is. So it's no accident that that song came up. I I never know what song my producer Jared's going to play, but that was perfect. A lesson in patience. So we're talking about being patient. We're talking about the elements of patience, the elements of impatience. And we're talking about that frustration that goes with impatience. So let's say you're trying to learn this. And not only are you trying to learn it, but you want to teach it to your kids. And this is such a great time while we're dealing with this whole coronavirus, quarantine, stay-at-home, shelter-in-place sort of thing. And our kids might be driving us nuts or our spouse or whatever. This is a really good time to practice patience. So um, you, you can always do patience like my grandmother taught me to do patience, and that was don't kill him today, kill him tomorrow. My father says that's how he lived to adulthood, and my eldest daughter says she resembles that remark, and that's how she lived to adulthood. So I hope she's listening right there. Love you, honey. <laughs> but 
Patience is about wait. Not right now. Give it some time. Handle it later. Let it play out. All right. So when you're going to teach that to yourself, are you going to teach it to your children? You want to break it down. So understanding the elements of patience are, is it yours or not? Is it your monkey? Is it someone else's monkey? If it's not your monkey, then you need to mobilize patience. Okay? The next thing is trust. Do you trust the situation? Do you trust the other people involved? Do you trust yourself that you can handle the situation? You can wait. You can do what you need to do if, if the time comes about that you need to have intervention. You need to stop and say, what is my me filter? So think of these three elements. These are what you want to teach to your children. And a really, really good way to teach this to other people is to say, hey, we need to listen to this podcast together. But short of that, you need to say, I'm learning how to be more patient. And I'd love for you, for our whole family to work on this together. I'd love you to work on it with me. Um, These are the elements that I'm trying to do when I'm seeing if I'm patient or not. And you share this information. And it isn't like you look at your kids and say, you need to learn to be more patient. You need to do this, this, and this. No, you do it by example. I'm learning to be more patient, and I'd love for you to join me in it. This is what I've learned, and this is what I'm trying to practice in myself. I'm trying to be aware if it's mine or not. I'm trying to ask myself, do I trust what's happening right here and right now? Am I afraid of something right here and right now? And if I'm not, I can calm down and I can wait. And I want to check my me filter. How am I feeling? What am I thinking? Am I afraid? Is this pushing my buttons? Can I set that aside and be patient and wait? Can I practice silence? Can I not have to do something? Can I delay my gratification that something's done, it's all over, I can move on to something else? Can I let that gratification wait and be delayed for a little bit? And can I let go of my restlessness? Can I say I don't have to have the destination, the final outcome right now? I can enjoy being patient and waiting and practicing silence and feel the blessing of that and how that feels really good. So you're trying to teach this to your children and you're trying to exemplify it by practicing it yourself and explaining that to them. So another really good way to teach this besides modeling it and sharing it and doing it together is to recognize a really important aspect of teaching. Warning is not nearly as productive as instruction. I want you to picture something. Your five-year-old is badgering you. Are we done yet? Can we go home yet? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I don't, I don't want to do that. Okay, they're driving you nuts. And you warn them. If you don't be quiet, you're going to be in big trouble. You're going to be grounded any minute. And, you know, you're warning them, warning them, warning them, thinking that that's going to change their behavior. Let's shift that to instruction. And you look at your five-year-old and you say, Honey, You're being extremely impatient. And right now I would like you to practice patience. So what I want you to do is I want you to sit down and I want you to practice silence. I want you to see how long you can go without talking. 
because that's practicing patience. We're going to leave here as soon as I'm done, and we'll get home pretty soon. But for right now, you're going to work on practicing patience. You're going to sit down and be quiet and do nothing until mommy's ready to leave. Now, they may be good at that, and they may not. A five-year-old is not as good at it as a 15-year-old, hopefully. But many of our 15-year-olds have never been asked to practice patience. So you might be starting with a 15-year-old like they're a 5-year-old. If you have a 15-year-old that's going, are we done yet? Can we go home now? I'm, I'm hungry. I don't want to wait. What are we having for dinner? And you're going, oh, gee, cut it out. You may model that impatience for them, or you may never have taught them the skills of patience because nobody maybe taught it to you. So the message here is instead of warnings, give instruction. Instead of yelling and screaming or telling them to cut it out or stop it, you say, what I really would like you to do right now is this. And then think of the elements of it's not yours to deal with. You're going to have to sit and wait. That's Is it your monkey or not? Look, you have to trust that mom's moving as fast as she can. I'm going to get us out of here as quickly as possible. So you need to trust me that I'm handling this situation. And you need to recognize that this is frustrating for you. There may filter. So I want you to practice silence and sit still. That's you learning how to be patient. Then what you give is positive reinforcement. For a two-year-old sitting for a few moments and practicing silence, you say, you're doing a good job. This is great. You're sitting still and being quiet. I like that. That's being patient. For a five-year-old, it would be a little longer. For a 15-year-old, by the time someone's a teenager, they should be able to sit and wait and be patient and not butt in and practice silence if they have been starting to learn it from the time they're little kids. Now, if they never learned it, if you never learned it, and no one taught it to you, then you're going to need the same incremental sort of learning. At first, you won't be really good at it. Okay, so what? Now, if you're an adult, maybe you can skip through the two, five, seven, eight-year-old pretty quick and move right to where you should have been at 15, but maybe not. It's okay. Wherever you are, however long you can be patient, practice that. Try to move it to a little more time to where you can sit and wait or you can stand quietly Or you can let the person finish it by themselves. Or you can patiently get out of the shower, move over and get your towel, get all dried off before you try to put on your clothes with half of you being wet and then you're cussing and swearing at your clothes because part of you is wet. All right. Have you ever noticed when you're impatient that you tend to yell at inanimate objects? How many golf clubs end up in the water hazard? It's the golf club's fault, right? You're cussing and swearing at the golf clubs, and you're agitated, and you feel horrible, and you toss, you scream and yell, and you throw the golf clubs into the water. It's the golf club's fault, right? When somebody smashes their cell phone on the ground, it's the cell phone's fault. That's the agitation of feeling inadequate, out of control, wanting things to be different, wanting your outcome and gratification to be right now, that is all indicative of your me filter. Right? When you can't have any tolerance for frustration, something doesn't go quite right. The toothpaste globs under your shirt and you have to wash it off and it leaves this nasty, stupid stain on your shirt so you have to go in and change your clothes, which means you have to change your pants and you have to change your shoes and your purse doesn't match anymore. Okay. <laughs> It's it's a domino effect. We know that. 
then can you be patient with that? Can you say, all right, whatever? Or do you have to cuss and swear and stomp on things and break things? It's not the inanimate object's fault. It's your me filter. So, when you are teaching this to others, you want to teach with instruction, not warnings. When we teach with warnings, you're going to be in trouble if you don't stop. You're going to get grounded, whatever. You're going to get spanking, whatever it is you're threatening. You are trying to teach utilizing fear. When we make somebody afraid, it does not make them more patient. When we make them afraid, we're trying to mobilize them by either fight, freeze, or flee. And what we're really hoping when we try to make our children afraid is that they'll freeze. and They'll stop doing what they're doing. But fear does not work that way. When you make a child fearful, they will agitate. They'll get worse. They'll get less patient. So just to recap, if you would like to develop your patience, one of the first things you really need to learn is how to practice silence. You can say to your kids, be quiet, shut up, stop talking. Or you can say, please, practice silence right now. And then you give them positive reinforcement for staying silent. Say that to yourself. I'm going to practice silence right now and say nothing. One of the things I like to do myself and I like to teach people is how to enter a room in silence. And I'm not perfect at it. I don't always do it. But what I like to do is enter a room and not immediately start talking, not interrupt, not assume that all the tension is going to turn to whatever my agenda is at the moment, because that is impatience. I like to enter a room in silence, and I like to wait. And it's not that I won't acknowledge someone or give a little wave or, you know, let them know that I see them. But the patience that I want to display is to practice silence and to wait. When you learn how to do that, to practice silence when you're frustrated, to practice silence when you enter a room, to practice silence when you are frustrated and you want to fix something and you can do it better, it is really rewarding within yourself. So that's what we want to teach our kids, that we are rewarding them with praise when we see them doing it, so that that praise becomes internal and later they can feel good about their ability to practice silence. So, take a good hard look at your patience. Allow yourself to really analyze it from these elements that I've talked about. And where you see a weakness in you, work on developing that. And if you get nothing out of this show today except learning to practice silence, to back off and stand there and wait and let something play out and don't have to fix it because it's not your monkey. Practice silence and stop throwing around inanimate objects and being frustrated because you're practicing silence and just going to the next step in the journey to get something down. You will begin to feel so much more in charge of your life. You'll feel better about yourself. You'll just feel calmer. And that's what we're all looking for. We're looking for peacefulness in this chaotic, crazy world. We're looking to feel good about ourselves. We're looking to raise our children in a way that we can be proud of them and help them have the behaviors and the elements they need to be a success in their life. 
patience is a huge one. So take a deep breath. Stand still. Practice silence. This is Dr. Patty, Dr. Patricia Bay, and you've been listening to Therapy in a Nutshell. I just want to help heal the world one hour at a time. The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta Regional Medical Center.